This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, June 19th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. What's a thing of value in the context of federal elections? Is it just direct contributions of goods or money? Is it a public endorsement of a candidate? What about a particular question and the response to it? It turns out that the answer holds great implications for not just elections, but freedom of speech and foreign policy. Alan Dickerson is a member of the Federal Election Commission. We spoke earlier this week about how the FEC resolves these kinds of questions. You and I understand what a campaign contribution is, or at least we think we do. It's money given to a campaign that is then under the control of the campaign, and then they use that money to advocate for themselves in an attempt to attract voters to their various policy positions or wishes for the future of government. How has that idea of what constitutes a contribution, how has that changed over time? Well, I, I would argue it's, it's changed since the very beginning. And this, this is always the problem is that you know, people have a sense of what these words mean. And I think quite often those senses are, uh, are very helpful because they give guidance you know, to people who are trying to go out there and engage in politics. Uh, but when, when Congress, as, as sometimes happens, when you try to take your general understanding of a concept and make it into law, uh, lots of words get put on pages and, and complexities arise. So in this particular case, um, I think what you said is, is definitely the understanding of a contribution. But the actual law says that it's uh, money or instruments or basically money uh, or anything of value given for the purposes of influencing a federal election. And you know, way back in the beginning, I like to call it the original sin of campaign finance law. Uh, you know, the Supreme Court looked at this and they said, well, that can be almost anything. When you say something of value, we know what money is. We know that there are brisk markets in kinds of property. It's, it's not that complicated to assign some sort of monetary value to those things, but something of value. And, the, and you said the Supreme Court had a problem with this characterization. Well, it, it did because, you know, again, if you really want to affect an election, how do you do it? You lower the unemployment rate. We don't usually think of that as a contribution, right? That's just sound public policy. But, you know, the, the, the issue comes, as you say, out of this thing of value concept. And I think for the longest time, this wasn't really a big deal because everyone was operating off of the, the definition that you gave at the beginning of our conversation. Uh, you know, it's either it's money given to the campaign or it's, you know, the sort of stuff a campaign would purchase anyway. You know, if you give a bunch of stamps to a campaign, everyone's going to recognize that as a contribution because otherwise the campaign would have had to pay for the stamps. But increasingly, um, and I think increasingly in the role of, of the sort of foreign influence debate, uh, people are revisiting that thing of value analysis and, and, and trying to see what they can shoehorn in. So we, we had a case that arose um, recently that we just resolved uh, yesterday publicly. And the thing of value in that case was going to be an answer at a press conference to a question. Um, so I, I don't think that's what the Supreme Court thought a contribution was. I don't think that's what Congress had in mind when they passed the law, but that was the, the recommendation that was given to us by our lawyers. So I can back up a little and kind of set the stage, but that, that's where it ended up. So on that point, who is Alexandra Chalupa and what is Chalupa and Associates? So Chalupa is, the, the woman is an American national of Ukrainian extraction who uh, is a an activist on Ukrainian-American issues and has also worked uh, in a consulting capacity for the Democratic National Committee uh, from time to time. 
uh, Chlupin Associates, as you would probably gather, is a, a company that she uses for the purposes of such uh, consultancy. And she got in trouble recently when uh, a complaint was filed against her saying that she had uh, she had solicited an illegal foreign contribution uh, in the 2016 election. And there's, there's, there's a long and, and complicated history that I will not bore you with. But the, the end of all of this was that she uh, brought to the attention of Ukrainian authorities that Paul Manafort uh, had been hired by the, the Trump campaign in 2016 and uh, suggested to them that there might be a question at a press conference in the United States, in fact, uh, in, in the Capitol complex, which I, I personally find somewhat ir ironic given the facts, um, that might ask him, the president of Ukraine, about Paul Manafort and what he thought of Paul Manafort's uh, various adventures in Ukraine. And um, the question was never asked. And so we, we, we never had to deal with the, the event coming to fruition. But the theory was that by merely asking for him to, to answer the question. And we, we determined that she hadn't actually even gone as far as asking. Um, but that regardless, that answer to that question at that press conference on American soil would be a thing of value and therefore a contribution under the act. And of course, foreign nationals are not allowed to make contributions. So if that theory were followed through on and we saw a, a an active FEC effort to adjudicate or punish these actions, almost anything that foreigners would say in relation to American elections potentially falls under the thing of value. Yes. And I think that's got two huge dangers wrapped up in it. Uh, I think the most obvious one is that, you know, once again, Chalupa is an American citizen. Um, if you take too permissive a view of what a foreign contribution is, you're spent a lot of time going after Americans for solicitations of same. And that, that obviously, I think, raises very troubling um, implications for American political participation. But it also, and, and this is the point that I, I feel sometimes gets lost, I'm not sure the Federal Election Commission is well equipped for the foreign policy role that this would imply. Um, you know, I, I, telling a, the president of Ukraine that saying less than flattering things about Paul Manafort is a violation of federal law, um, you know, I, I think would have pretty serious foreign policy and diplomatic uh, connotations. And it gets worse if you think about other facts. You know, in, when we were writing our, our statement of reasons, uh, the, the two other Republican commissioners and I, you know, we, we had a series of examples. Um, you know, quite often, for instance, uh, not just China, but also, you know, our friends in the European Union, you know, if there's a, a steel tariff that they disagree with, you know, under foreign, under international trade law, they're allowed to impose countervailing, you know, duties and tariffs um, as sort of a punishment for that. And they'll routinely, and this goes back years, back to the Bush administration, you know, they'll target that at, at um, states that the president needs politically or congressional districts that his party uh, holds. And I, I, I struggle to think how those would not be contributions if an answer at, at a press conference is. And I worry a very great deal about having the FEC in the position of policing international trade law, um, a, an area which I, I can tell you with complete confidence we have we have essentially no expertise in. Um, and you, you could imagine worse examples, you know, ceasefires that are timed for presidential elections, um, you know, some of the things the United States does abroad in terms of, you know, diplomatic support 
uh, to, to sitting office holders, um, both in adversaries and in friendly countries. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine a situation in which uh, other countries uh, adopt our federal election rules, uh, suddenly reacting to the manner in which U.S. politicians or public figures in the United States talk about what's going on in their country. And we do this consistently. Um, Americans have opinions about elections abroad. Uh, the the example that comes immediately to mind is you know he wasn't he wasn't president at the time, but you know former President Obama more or less directly uh, backed Justin Trudeau's reelection as the prime minister in Canada. Um, and, and I don't I don't think there's anything remarkable about that. I think that's that's a it's a well trod American right, especially for a private citizen. But this way of thinking would would ensnare a lot of that. All right. So where is the limit then on a thing of value for uh, campaign election purposes within the U.S.? Well, I I think the answer is it has, is found as it so often is in the Buckley versus Vallejo decision in 1976, where the Supreme Court kind of had to look at the statute the FEC administers for the first time. And what they said, and it's, it's in a footnote, and this is why any law students listening, you read the footnotes. Um, but what the court said was there, there's a general understanding, back to the very beginning of our talk, there's a general understanding of what a contribution is. It's money or you know, it's, it's, it's money or funds that are given you know, to a campaign. And I, I think that that gives a reasonably good lodestar. You know, if you're looking at um, a statement at a press conference or a, a tariff that's directed at a particular industry, um, that's really not within the normal understanding of what a contribution is, uh, and and I think that that there, there's there's legal reasons for thinking that 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 defeats the vagueness problems that raise all sorts of constitutional issues. But I also just think it's prudent, um, you know, for a small agency with a limited and and frankly sensitive mission uh, to kind of exercise a bit of restraint and take the Supreme Court at its word that our job is to police the ordinary understanding. Of contributions and not to get too creative trying to inject ourselves in the foreign policy arena. Oh, and respect constitutional rights across the board. Uh, that, that's, that's a good thing, yes. You'll have to refresh our listeners' memory. They may have forgotten exactly how the Federal Election Commission makes decisions about things. This was something that uh, the FEC resolved recently, but uh, how would the FEC have decided to proceed if it wanted to go against uh, Ms. Chalupa and her company for soliciting a question and answer about uh, Paul Manafort. So we have to go all the way back. The FEC is a, a very unusual agency uh, in that it is by design uh, evenly divided. And there are six commissioners. No party can hold more than three of the seats. Uh, by convention, uh, three of the seats are filled by Republican nominees and three by, uh, if not Democrats, then individuals. Um, Selected and approved by the Democratic Party, and and so so it is today. There are, there are three of us who are Republicans, two Democrats, and an Independent who caucuses with the Democrats. Um, any Bernie Sanders aficionados will be familiar with this this uh, this state of affairs. So, what happens is that in any complaint that we get, um, we have to decide by four affirmative votes, a majority, a bipartisan majority, of the Commission to move forward with um, with the matter. Uh, and in this case, we actually decided by a bipartisan four to two vote not to pursue Ms. Chalupa. Uh, one of our Democratic colleagues uh, joined us, three Republicans. So not unanimous. It was not unanimous. 
um, which I, I, I found surprising since I, I thought the, the thing of value analysis was um, pretty clear on these facts. Uh, but, um, you know, that, that's, that's the world in which we live. And we, so we took that vote and it very nearly did not become public. Um, there's a, as, as part of the, the need to have four affirmative votes to do anything of substance at the commission, uh, that includes um, finally resolving a matter. You know, you will, you'll take your vote on enforcement and then you have to take a separate vote uh, to close the file and make the matter public. And so in this case, you know, we had a four to two bipartisan vote not to move forward with enforcement, which, which ends the matter. We, we no longer had any more jurisdiction under the act over the, the matter. Um, and an effort was made not to close the file. Um, and two of my colleagues, uh, you know, joined that effort and tried to prevent, uh, this matter from seeing the light of day, which I think would have been, uh, you know, frankly cruel in the case of, of Ms. Chalupa, who has, you know, had to deal with a federal investigation of, of activity that I think was sincerely driven by, uh, patriotism in her view of the best interests of the country. Um, and also very bad, I think, for the development of the law in that, you know, these points about what a thing of value is, um, the role of the FEC in uh, supervising foreign entanglements and, and other, you know, high questions of state and foreign policy. Uh, you know, we, we came very near, you know, we came within one vote of not being able to even make a public statement about this. Uh, or inform Ms. Chalupa that she had, in fact, been cleared by the commission. Yeah. So, one, you have uh, people who are the subjects of inquiries at the FEC for possible enforcement action who may never learn whether or not that was resolved. So, in a sense, it's hanging over their heads as far as they're concerned, even mm -hmm. if it's not. Uh, and then you have elections, uh, you have campaigns, people who uh, are active in politics who suddenly don't know what the in in some particular examples don't know what the rules are, and one of the big problems in this area is that this is really complex stuff. Um, it shouldn't be. I mean, Justice Scalia famously said during an oral argument that campaign finance was too uh, intricate for him to understand. And I I sometimes make the joke, well, then what are us mere mortals supposed to do? <laughs> um, and you know, it, and and that that I think is is right. It's that. You know, one of our jobs at the FEC is to try to clarify the law and make it accessible to ordinary Americans who are trying to influence their government. And the inability to speak publicly about uh, really important legal issues like this, I think, really hampers the development of the law and hampers our ability to clarify it and simplify it for ordinary people. Alan Dickerson is one of three Republican members of the Federal Election Commission. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>